You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Thank you for that. I'm blushing. Welcome uh, those of you here in the cameo and those of you that are worshiping online. And we're in this series in which we're trying to embrace peace over these other forms of anxiety and worry and the like. And I wanted to review the five peace practices that we've been studying over the past uh, week. We've looked at, we can experience peace when we, number one, meditate. We're meditating on God's word. Number two, we breathe. And then number three, we walk, physically walk. That helps us. And then number four, you manage your mental input. It's trying to block off that those negative thoughts and feelings and embrace the truth of the scripture and manage what comes in and out of our minds. And then number five is we connect in tribal community. Now, one of the things that we practiced last week that I just want to review as well is that we can breathe and meditate what's called the Jesus prayer. And the Jesus prayer was actually created in the fifth century by some, I guess, prayer guide. So it's an ancient prayer where you just say, Lord Jesus Christ, and then you inhale. And then you say, got a furball in my throat. You say, have mercy on me. And then you exhale, okay? You guys ready to try this with me to kind of get us in the spirit of experiencing peace today? So when I point to you, you'll say, Lord Jesus Christ, and then we'll inhale. Ready? Here we go. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Let's do it again. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. One more time. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Some of you are relaxing already. In fact, some of you are going to be so relaxed today that you're going to fall asleep during my sermon. Man, I'm just going to put people to sleep all day long, but you may need it, right? Um, But that is something that we can apply on Monday that we learned on Sunday. You know, you can meditate at any time when someone causes you worry you can stop and breathe the Jesus prayer. Now, this meditation prayer is just one of the practices that helps us experience or practice peace over anxiety. We studied anxiety last week or over worry that we're going to be looking at today. And then in, next week, we're going to look at fear and then loneliness. And the week after that, we'll look at people pleasing as a part of this teaching series. I think it's going to be very practical for us. Now, one of the things that made me worry some years ago was when I had some car trouble. Now, back in those days, I was driving a rowdy little Prius. Nothing makes a man feel like a man than driving a Prius. I can tell you that right now. There's nothing like those MPGs. You know what I'm saying? But the the Prius was giving me some trouble, and I couldn't afford the expensive repairs, you know? And so I was kind of worried about it. And the more I drove it, the worse the Prius drove, and then that exacerbated my worry. And I'll tell you the rest of the story of what happened, but later on, I'll I'll tell you the rest of that story. But for now, how many of you have ever experienced worry over a car? Anybody besides me? Yeah, cars can be of the devil sometimes, can't they? I mean, sometimes cars can be a big pain to deal with. And I hate worry because it causes all these physiological problems. You know, some people have ulcers. Some people have hypertension or headaches or backaches or all sorts of trouble from worry. 
And we hope to give you some peace over that worry today. Now, remember last week we talked about anxiety, and this week we're talking about worry. And you're like, and I was thinking to myself, what's the difference between worry and anxiety? Because even in the Bible, you look at some translations of the Bible will translate the same verse and use the word worry, and others will use the word anxiety. So in many regards, worry and anxiety are interchangeable. But I want to show you this little chart that gives you a feel for the distinctives and the commonalities between anxiety and worry. And so anxiety is generally a a general concern that you have in your life, whereas worry is going to be a more specific concern, like the car that needs work on it. Then anxiety is mostly unknown problems, whereas worry is typically known problems. Then anxiety causes physical symptoms, and so does worry. They both cause that. And then anxiety is paralyzing and shuts you down. And then worry causes you to constantly plan and problem solve. And then anxiety keeps you from being emotionally present with others. And worry does the same thing. Have you ever been around someone and you're in a conversation with them and you're just like waving your hand in front of their face like, are you there with me? And you can tell their mind somewhere else. Oftentimes it's an anxiety or a worry of some sort that's inhabited their mind and they can't get free of it. But then look at the last one. Anxiety is a broad condition, whereas worry is like a specific kind of, uh, you know, component of anxiety. But I'll tell you this today is that worry is not just a psychological issue. It's a theological issue. And there is a direct correlation between your theology of God, the way you view God and the way you view yourself and the way you view your relationship to God that affects your worry. And Joe read the passage from the Sermon on the Mount to us just moments ago. And that passage shows us a theology of God and ourselves and our relationship to God that I think is helpful for us in overcoming worry. Now, some of you, when you went to school, you no doubt saw what's called the Maslow's hierarchy. Have you seen this? So it's this pyramid of human needs and human flourishing. And at the baseline, people are worried about the clothes they're going to wear and their food. You know, just, you're just worried about staying warm and eating. You know, that's the baseline. But what Jesus does is he says, hey, you don't have to worry about this baseline stuff. I'm going to take you up the pyramid And you're going to go to a place where you're actually in community and relationship with other people. And you're going to see that God cares about you and loves you. And then you'll go further up the pyramid where you'll go to what Maslow calls self-actualization. I'll call it operating in your identity, who you truly are. And at the top of the pyramid is where you're involved in creative pursuits. So poverty is not how much money you have. Poverty is a mindset. And what Jesus does is he changes our mindset where you're not focused on the stuff at the bottom where you're just worried about food and clothes, but he points you towards creativity. See, spiritual growth is a growth toward creativity. Now, the way you get there is through seeing the perspective of truth. Let me repeat that. The way you come to a place of peace is through gaining the perspective of truth. Truth as God sees it. So let me illustrate it. I brought a picture today of my daughter when she was younger, and we used to go on these scooter rides together, and one day we saw this snake. And if I was, as a parent that loves my precious angel girl daughter, you know, I wouldn't let her near a snake, you know, and I'd see her near a snake, and it would freak me out. I would worry about her. But truth, the perspective of truth, 
knows something about that picture. The truth is that snake is dead. Okay, I, I checked the snake before I let her get near it. It had been run over by a car or something like that, and it just kind of looks dead, but it, or it looks alive, but it's really dead. So I went up to the snake, and I poked it and messed around with it, make sure that it wasn't going to like, you know how some, some animals are dead, and they have like a surge of energy, you know. So I, I made sure the thing was totally and completely dead before I let my little daughter get near the snake. And so here's what I want you to know about your worry. You have some worries right now that are a dead snake. You, the, the reality from God's word is you don't have to worry about that particular thing. It's a dead snake. But here's the thing you're going to say to me, Doug, look, what? what I, I understand I'm not supposed to worry about this. I don't have to worry about it. I understand it conceptually, but I can't get my feelings to co- go along with me. So how do you align what you know to be the truth with your feelings? So you can also feel the truth and think the truth all at the same time. And the answer is back in Matthew chapter six. Look at the key verse of that particular chapter. It's verse 33. It's a popular verse in the Bible. In case you're new to church and Bible study, this is like a big deal of a verse that a lot of people memorize and know as you start to study the Bible and follow Jesus. It says, seek, and that word seek is real significant. We're going to break it down in just a minute. But he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. He's going to take care of of everything. Now, that word seek, the the New Testament was written in Greek, Koine in Greek, and the word for seek is zeteo in the Greek language. And zeteo is not just seeking, but it means an increased intensity of seeking. So it's like you're dialing up the intensity of seeking. The word picture is if you lose your credit card or your wallet, you increase your intensity. You zeteo looking for, seeking for your wallet or your credit card. See, so I boiled this down to one little simple transforming idea that I want to submit to you today, and it's this. Replace stressing with seeking. The way to get rid of a negative emotion is not to just try not to think about it, but it's to replace it with something else. So here's what we want to learn to do today. We want to replace stressing with seeking. Will you turn to someone next to you and tell them that big idea? Go ahead. Good. It's just, it's a simple statement. It's not a conversation. Okay, so just replace stressing. <laughs> seeking, okay. So today I'm going to show you four ways to replace the stressing with seeking. Look at number one. You seek, increase the intensity of your identity in Christ, your identity in God. For those of you that are new to church and you don't have a relationship with God, you're, you're trying to figure it out, um, you, you can gain a relationship with God. Those of you that know him, a lot of you who know him, you know about your identity in Christ, and it's time to increase the intensity of that truth that you know. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And look at this last sentence there. Focus on this sentence. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Aren't you far more valuable. That's not my opinion. That's not pop psychology. That is straight from Jesus' mouth. He says, aren't you far more valuable? So how about we do this? We transform that statement into a breathing meditation that we can apply to our lives today. So it goes like this. We say the words when I point to you, Heavenly Father, and then you inhale. And then say, I'm valuable to you. 
as you exhale any worry in your life. You guys ready to do it together when I point to? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I'm valuable to you. Heavenly Father, I'm valuable to you. One more time. Heavenly Father, I'm valuable to you. That feels pretty good, doesn't it? And so anybody have someone in your life that they devalue you? They make you feel devalued. You know, you have someone at work or in the family and every time you get around them, they make you feel devalued. And you're just like, "Eh." Heavenly Father, I'm valuable to you. (laughs) I feel so good. Some of you have your own thoughts because of the breakup or the loss of the job or the thing that happened that reinforced an idea in your mind that you're of no value. It's like, no, I'm not going to receive it. I'm just going to say, Heavenly Father, I'm valuable to you, <laughs> you know. See, this is a meditation that we can learn on Sunday. We can apply on Monday. So, so practical. But look at number two. You replace stressing with seeking when you know your limits. You know your limits. Here's how Jesus said it. Today's trouble is enough for today. How many of you know that there are only so many things you can worry about in a given 24-hour period of time? We all have limits of what we can deal with. And if you continue to read the Bible, you would see in Matthew 13 that Jesus talks about how some people have like a 30-fold capacity in life, and other people have a 60-fold capacity in life, and other people have a 100-fold capacity in life. Each of us has a capacity, a limit, and we also have a role. See, so we have a role to play. Let me illustrate it like this. How many of you think I should be a pastor? And how many of you think I should be a rapper? Now I'm insulted. (laughs) But I want to be a rapper. I watched the Super Bowl halftime show and I saw Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. I want to be that. It could be Snoop Dougie Doug. (laughs) And you're saying in your mind right now, Doug, stay in your lane, dude. I have a role, and I have limits, and you have a role, and it's a good role that God has made you to be, your role in Christ, see? And so our roles are limits that are for our good. You know, fences are limits, aren't they? You have a fence in your backyard, and the fence keeps your pets from getting out and run over by a car. It keeps your kids in the yard protected so they don't get out and run over by a car or something like that, right? So fences are limits and they're good. Those of us that like sports, when you watch football, how would the football game go if the players ran outside the borders of the fields and ran out of bounds and ran outside the stadium? Well, you couldn't enjoy the sport. The same is true of soccer. The players have to stay on the pitch or in basketball, the players have to stay on the court or it's no good. Limits are good. We each have a role. And here's the thing about God is that we know he's so powerful. We know from Ephesians 3 that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So God can blow your mind with what he can do that's beyond your limits. But here's what you do when you live faithfully within your limits at peace. You unleash God to work his power and do what's beyond you. 
see. So here's the way I'd like to boil it down is say, live peacefully within your limits and let God be in control of expanding your fence line. We try and expand our fence lines without God, but if we'll live peacefully within our limits, let God be in control of expanding our fence lines, then we see the power of God at work and it's obvious to us and everyone around us that it's God doing the miraculous work. So this is how we replace stressing with seeking. And worry happens when we think we need to control stuff that we really can't control, isn't it? Jesus teaches us that we're not in control, that God is in control. And this idea of control is one that a lot of Christians have taken and they make it into bumper stickers and stuff like this. So have you ever seen this little slogan that we're going to put on the, the, the screen? God is my co-pilot. Have you seen this? Okay, it's kind of a nice little thing, you know, like God's right there with me, but it's actually not true. God's not my co-pilot. Kind of makes God out to be like my wingman, okay? God's not my co-pilot. God's the pilot, and I'm the wingman. God's the pilot, and I'm the co-pilot. He lets me get on board with what his agenda is in the world. And if God is your co-pilot, look at this next picture. I'll show you what your car's going to turn out to be, okay? See, let God be the pilot, and we can be the co-pilot. So I saw this counselor friend some years ago showed me a little physical exercise you could do that illustrates this idea of letting go. It's basically like this. Put your forearm out like this and then grab your forearm with your other hand. Ready? Play along. It makes me feel good. Okay, so you got it. And when there's something that you're worried about and you can't control it, you just let go. See? Go ahead and let go. Now grab it again and let's go through some scenarios of this because I know what some of you are dealing with. Some of you have a situation at work that you're trying to control and you can't control your boss. You can't control the other employees there. You can't control whether or not you're going to get a raise. You can't control whether or not you're going to be working within your sweet spot and you're enjoying your work. And right now stuff's happening at work you don't like, but you know what you have to do? Go ahead and let go. It feels good to let that go, doesn't it? Now God can work in your, in your career. God can work in the heart of your manager at work. Now grab your arm again. Let's work on another. A lot of you guys are single around here. And some of you are like, I, I want that special someone. And that special someone hadn't come into the equation yet. And some of you are married and then you still aren't with the special someone, all right? So, <laughs> so anyways, it, it's like, the, it's not happening for me. He's not coming to my life. She's not coming to my life like I want. And I'm trying to, be a person that's dateable and I'm trying to be a good spouse, you know, learn to be, have the character that someone would want, you know. You have to let go. Release control. And once you release control, your hands aren't on it. Now God can do something about your relationship. I'm going to get a testimonial next week. Someone's going to get married between now and next Sunday because you let go, right? Now, check this out. Some, some of you are like, hey, bring it this way. Yeah, God. Now, grab it one more time. And here's one that's a little more of a serious nature. And that is, you go to the doctor and you get a report that you don't want. And maybe it's the report on your own physical body and health, or maybe it's the report on someone else that you love and you care about. And the test results didn't come back the way you wanted. Is worrying going to make that person get healed? We have to let go, don't we? So go ahead and let go. And we place it in the hands of God 
This is how we replace stressing with seeking. Now, to be clear, releasing control does not mean being irresponsible. You follow me? It's not like let go, let God doesn't mean that I'm responsible. I don't do anything or I have no responsibility in the equation. I like the way pastor and author Rick Warren says this. He says, to worry about something you can't change is useless. To worry about something you can change is stupid. Just change it. He says, worry is stewing without doing. Isn't that true? There's a lot of stuff we can change, and if we don't change it, then we're just stupid for not changing it. We're just changing, right? It's real. But worry is stewing without doing. I know a lot of people are stewing. They need to stop stewing and start doing, you know? Start doing something. Jesus put it this way. He said, look at the birds of the field. Now, I'm a guy that's, I got bird feeders in my backyard, okay? I'm a little old man like that. I like bird feeders in the backyard. I watch the birds and all that. And when I watch the birds out in my backyard, I fill the bird feeder with bird seed. And those birds, they're not laying down in my backyard with their little beaks open waiting for me to pour bird seed down their gullet, okay? Those birds, they're pecking on the bird feeder. And then when they clean me out of bird seed, they're foraging around the yard and foraging around the trees looking for food to eat. And you know why? Because work removes worry, doesn't it? Work removes worry. And if you're worried about paying your bills and you've been sitting around all day playing video games, maybe it's time to go to work, isn't it? So we do have a responsibility as we release things to God. But look at number three. Replace stressing with seeking when you reframe your work. Think about your career, your job that you're in, right now. And I can tell you what's happening is whether you like your job or whether you don't like your job, whether you're fulfilled in it or whether you're not fulfilled in it, you're just doing it to pay the bills. God is at work right now in your job, in your career, building his kingdom and character into you through that job so that he can do something through you. And I'm not saying you're at your destiny job right now. You may not be, but God is teaching you something there that he wants to use to teach others in the future. I think about this friend of mine who's one of our key prayer team leaders here at the church. His name is Will Mueller, and Will's been a faithful prayer leader here at City Tribe Church for many years. You can see a picture of him on screen with his beautiful little daughter. And some years ago, Will came to me, and he's like, hey, man, you know, I got some problems at work. Here's what happened. His boss called him into his office, and the boss said, hey, Will, I need to meet with you in a week because I'm not sure whether or not I'm gonna have, you're going to lose your job. You're, you may get laid off. You know, things are tight around here. You may get laid off. So what do you think he's going to do during that week? Like any of us would, he's worried about that meeting with the boss. So the week passed by, he goes into his manager's office and the manager says, hey, you know, can we talk about this next week? So put it off another week. It's great. Okay, dude, I, you know, I've been stressing out. I've been worried about it for a week, and now you're going to put it off another week. And so that week passed. And you know what the boss said at the end of that week? He said, I'll tell you next month. <laughs> so he had to wait another month. And so he's like, for the love of everything sacred and pure, can you just let me know whether I'm going to have my job? Because I'm going to worry about it, right? And so instead of worry, you know what Will did? He zetaoed. He decided to seek God in his kingdom. So Will, who is not, he's, Will is chill, okay? He should be named Chill Mueller instead of Will Mueller. But this is a guy, he's like, I'm, I'm gonna seek God in my personal, you know, prayer times at home and my Bible reading and praying as I'm connected with God. And I'm gonna seek God. I'm gonna crank up the intensity 
of serving him in and through the church in his prayer ministry role. And here's what happened. He ended up applying somewhere else, getting a better job, and that better job actually prepared him for what he's doing now. Now God has given Will his own company that he runs. He's got more work than he knows what to do with, and he's having to hire other people now. Right on? And Will, yeah. Will would tell you that the whole treasure or reward in that whole experience was not that he got a better job or not that he got his own company that he's running now, but the reward and the treasure in the whole thing was seeing God at work and moving. See, he is encountering him, bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and encountering more of God proving and showing that he provides and he's the one that's in control of our destinies is the greatest reward there. Now, look at number four. You replace stressing with seeking when you cast it and cut it. You cast it and cut it. And so think about that thing that gives you a pit in your stomach with worry and apply 1 Peter 5, 7 to it. And here's what that passage says. Cast, cast all your worries on him for he cares for you. And so as I was thinking about my own worries, uh, I was thinking about casting, so I brought my vintage fishing pole today, and I've got this rock tied to it that represents my worries. And I'm gonna cast this out, just cover your forehead in case it comes towards you. But I know from the Bible that I'm supposed to cast my worries on God because he cares for me. So here, I'm gonna cast it. Okay, I'm glad I didn't tatanka someone in the head, right? But here's what I do, is that I'll cast it, and if I don't immediately feel better about the worry, then I just reel it back in. I'm like, no, I'm taking it back on me because God, I cast on you and my feelings aren't immediately better. So I'm just gonna reel it back in. But here's what we do when we live in spiritual community in the tribe is that we can say, yeah, I'm gonna cast it in prayer. And then I'm, I'm in community and friends with Luis. And Luis tells me, Doug, you cast it and I'm gonna hold you accountability, cut the line. You gotta cut the line. And now I can try and reel the worry back in, but it's no longer there because I did what? Cut the line. I had a friend help me cut the line. And here's what would be very helpful for some of us as it relates to worry, is you share that worry with someone else. They partner to pray with you about it, and you give them permission to tell you you have permission to cut the line. Don't have to worry about it. Would you turn to someone next to you and tell them, cut the line. It's time to cut the line. So let's look over the four that we've just learned by way of review so we can remember this tomorrow. You replace stressing with seeking when you seek your identity in Christ, number one. Number two, know your limits. Number three, reframe your work and your career. Number four, cast it, and cut it. Now, let me wrap up with telling you the rest of the story of what happened with my Prius that needed work on it. As you remember, like I had this Prius, it was messing up, and I would just keep driving it, and I didn't want to spend the money to fix it, and it kept getting worse, and then my worry kept getting worse. I just sat down with God in prayer, and I'm like, God, I know that a car isn't a very spiritual thing, but it's, man, I'm worried about it. And so I cast it on God, and I chose to cut the line, so I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And I gave it to God. I'm like, God, look, if I have to go put money on credit, I'm just going to trust you to provide. 
for this. Even if I had to put up my credit card or do something that I know I'm not supposed to do, yeah, I, I, I want to trust you with this worry. And I did. And a couple of days later, I get a phone call from my mechanic. Now, my mechanic who worked on that car, he happened to be Muslim, but we were friends, you know, and he knew I'm a Jesus guy. I'm a Christian pastor, you know. He knew that I loved him and cared about him, whether or not he's Muslim, because that's the way Jesus operates and that's the way Jesus rolls, right? And so he, call, you know, he calls me up and he says, Doug, um, my wife is sick. Now, by the way, my, my Muslim friend is married to a Catholic lady. I don't know how that happened. You know, jihads, rosary beads. I don't know, I, I don't know how that works, but Muslim guy, Catholic wife, she's got a physical problem. He calls me up a couple of days after I pray, and he says, Doug, I know you're a praying person. Will you pray for my wife? She's, she's bad off physically. She's got this health problem. And so I said, yes, sir, yes, I will. I'm going to pray for her right now over the phone. I prayed in Jesus' beautiful name that she would be healed. And I get a text message a couple of days later, and it's from my Muslim mechanic friend, and he texts me and tells me his wife has been healed. And then another day passes, and Jeannie and I are at home, and I see Yasser in my backyard, back and back of my house. He's starting to work on my car, and I didn't ask him to do it because I didn't have the money to, you know, full amount to pay for all the work to be done. And I went out there, and I'm like, Yasser, what are you doing out here working on my car? He says, yeah, I'm, I'm fixing your car. And I said, well, I, I don't have all the money that it takes to pay you to do the car. I don't want something for nothing, man. I don't want you to do that. And he says, no, you're going to take this for free. And it's because it was for Muslim people. It was during Ramadan. He was practicing zakat, which is where they give charity to people in need. And I'm like, yes, sir, I can't let you do this for free. And I just took the money that I had in my wallet. And I'm like, here, take what I have. It's all that I have. And he says, no, you give that to someone in need. And at the time, our church was doing this drive to fund the food bank. And so I brought the money to the church for people in need. It went to the food bank. So I reflected on that whole story. And I thought, here's what's going on in this whole story. It was kind of an interesting story to me in my head. And it's like the Lord was showing me that rather than stress and worry about my car, I'd seek him more. And so I sought him more in prayer. And because of that, he brought his kingdom to show the healing power in Jesus' name to a Muslim man. And he would use that Muslim man to heal my Prius. And then in turn, the food bank would get money where the hungry are fed. This is the way the kingdom of God works. So whatever you worry about, stop stressing. It's time to start seeking him to unleash the power of his kingdom in your life, and in your heart. Now, um, before we, I think we got someone uh, who signed up to be baptized in this service, but before we do that, could I just make an observation? A lot of people right now are worried about death and dying. Have you noticed that? Because of the pandemic, you know, people have this increased consciousness. We have an increased consciousness of our own death. But you know the good thing about Jesus and the gospel the gospel is this good news that says, hey, you don't have to worry about that anymore because I died on the cross for your sin. And if you've never believed in Jesus or never had a relationship with him, it's real simple to do. You just simply choose to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died there to pay the penalty for your sin and he rose again from the dead to give you a new life. 
You know what it's called when you believe that? You don't have to jump through religious hoops. You don't have to pray a particular prayer. You just choose to believe it in your heart. When you believe that, it's called being born again. And it impacts your heart and soul and eternity, so much so that this guy in the Bible named Paul, he said, hey, he, he had a whole new perspective on death. He said, for me to live as Christ and to die is what? Gain. He says, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? It's like it's welcomed now. Because for those of us that know Jesus Christ, death is not an ending. It's the beginning of the rest of all of eternity. And, you know, I, I think there's one person, one person that signed it to be baptized in this service. So uh, send them down or whatever. But before, while they're on their way, here's what I want to suggest to some of you. Some of you choose to believe that and you'll be born again and have a new love relationship with God. And if you believe that any time, square one, first step of obedience to him is to be baptized, you know. And some of you have already believed not yet been baptized. Well, today's your day, man. I mean, if you want to, we'll make room for you in this service to, to be baptized if you'd like to today. And so just go back to the lobby and get registered. We look. We won't even make you go skinny dipping in here today. You, we'll, we got clothes and everything. So it, it's all good. Today's your day. So roll back there to the lobby and tell, you know, someone at a table you want to get baptized. And here's the way it works here is that when Abraham lowers people into the water, it represents like a liquid grave. And when he raises them up, it represents, hey, they buried with Christ in baptism, but they're raised to walk this whole new life with Jesus. Not just new life here on earth, but new life for all of eternity. So death is no longer something to be worried about, right? I'm... So as people are being baptized, stay seated so everyone can see. And it's totally appropriate to cheer and yell for them as they've come to proclaim this new beautiful love relationship with Jesus. Let's enjoy some baptisms, shall we?
that just your name, the mention of your name is powerful. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that you're the Lord. And it's not just power, but it's also passion and love and grace and mercy. And we thank you that you provided a way, not only showed us how to live, but also provided a way so that we could come to the Father and be with you for eternity. You are the great treasure. You are the great reward. And so we thank you for your presence among us. We thank you for the beautiful picture of baptism that we've seen today. We love you and pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Amen. God's been pretty good to us today, has he not? He's been pretty good. So go ahead and take a load off. And let me just share a couple of things with you by way of closure today. One is that if you need prayer about some type of worry today, just roll outside and our prayer leaders would be more than happy to pray with you about whatever you're going through. Also, I want to give you a feel for what to expect next week and then the coming weeks. We're learning these practices that give us a peace over anxiety that we explored last week, worry today, fear is going to be next Sunday, of course, loneliness in the coming weeks. We'll talk about that and also people pleasing. So I think it's going to be very practical for not just us, but the friends that you want to invite to come to encounter these spiritual practices as well. Now, uh, one of the ways that we live in peace is when we choose generosity over stinginess. You know anybody who's stingy? Are they at peace in their lives? Most of the time, they're not. You know, most of the time, stingy people don't have much peace at all. And so here's how to be generous here through our offerings and tithes at the church. One of four ways is that you can uh, mail it in, you can text it in person at the giving stations or online, go to citytribe.church slash tithe, and any one of those ways uh, will, will work. So before we take off, let's stand together for the benediction. And if you'd like for the benediction, you put your hands out in position to receive. Now, I got to tell you from this benediction, even though I can't be a rapper, I can still be a poet. So I wrote a poem just for you guys today that I hope will land on you as we take off for the benediction today. I'm replacing stressing with seeking. Let's all start peeking into our identity in Christ. He says the Father values me. Could it be that his limits free me to be me? He reframes my work with perspective of the jerk who stresses me out. His word has clout when he says, cast your worries and cut the line. Child, you're going to be fine. You're mine. Meditate, breathe, and walk with me so your heart can see how precious you are to me. Walk from here in peace. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.